Hi, I want to welcome you to Canvas. In this particular episode, we are going to be diving into an issue that a lot of people are not talking about here in America with this pandemic that's going on. And I reached out to a really good friend of mine because I knew he would be able to give some answers to the mental health that people are going to be dealing with that are they're not only going to be dealing with, they're dealing with it also right now. And some of them that were already having issues, they're having even more. And that's anxiety. One of the things that we're thinking about uh, when it comes to how do you deal with something you've never dealt with before on this level, on this scale? Is it a pandemic within a pandemic, which is anxiety, our mental health? We'll be right back with our guest, Jesse Smith. This is Canvas. Welcome back to Canvas. In this particular episode, like we talked about, we're going to be talking about anxiety. And on this show, I have Jesse Smith, a really dear friend of mine. Jesse Smith is a, a licensed marriage family therapist and a licensed clinical drug and alcohol counselor. He currently serves as the clinical director of one of the largest uh, counseling agencies in Las Vegas, where he oversees all aspects of the clinical services provided by the agency. And on a personal level, Jesse helped me through some of my struggles uh, as I was getting into my own business, becoming uh, a creative mind as well as a business mind, because I was trying to do so many things. And what he has done for me in my life, there's two sayings that he gave me when he asked me this question that I usually now speak to my clients. And one was, what if you did only one thing for six months? Because in all that I was going through, everything I was trying to figure out, he said, what if you put all that aside and you did one thing for six months? You can pick all the other stuff back up. And the one thing I did was did what he said. And that's where I think in this particular show is gonna be beneficial. As we go through, through this, we wanna inform you, equip you, and activate you. So I wanna introduce you to Jesse Smith. Jesse, thank you for being on with me. I am so grateful that you're coming on. and. I, I want you to do a little introduction to yourself, man. Well, great. Well, first of all, Mike, thanks for having me. And I do uh, thank you and appreciate the feedback you gave me regarding our working together. Uh, as you know, uh, it has been a goal of mine uh, to be able to be a vessel uh, and a servant to other people uh, to actually help other people to solve problems and live their best lives. So. I came from a corporate America background, and at a certain point, uh, I decided I didn't just want to go to work, work, get a paycheck, and just do the same thing over and over again. So uh, I changed careers. Uh, God led me to the career of counseling and therapy, and I get a chance to work with people and help people on a daily basis. And when I lay my head down at nighttime, I know that my work matters to other people, and that gives me personal and spiritual fulfillment. That's great. No, one thing that this whole show is about is the spiritual entrepreneur, those leaders that literally are on the front line of carrying a whole lot of weight, a whole lot of um, anxieties that go around, that goes around just them being the leader. But we wanted this broadcast to also help those that are dealing with anxiety also, because during this virus, man, we're dealing with a whole lot of things. But before we dive into some of the things that people may be going through. Can you give me a layman's term version of what anxiety is? Sure. Well, in its simplest form, uh, anxiety is excessive worry, excessive fear, 
and excessive nervousness. And typically, anxiety is the result of when we place too much focus and too much energy into the future, things that have not happened yet, but we're placing our focus on what may happen, how are things going to unfold, what's going to happen next week, next month, those types of things. So when we project too far in the future, we set ourselves up to experience anxiety because we are worrying about not what is happening to us right now, but we're very worried and nervous about what may happen in the future. Now, do you think that, I'm not think, but is there a difference between, is there different um, types of anxiety that people are dealing with? Because sometimes we want to use this, the, the word, but it can encapsulate so much or be an umbrella so much. Can you break down the different forms of anxiety? Sure. Well, there are definitely a number of different types of anxiety disorders. So you have things like agoraphobia. That's a type of an anxiety disorder where individuals are afraid to go into public places. Uh, and because of their fear of going into public places like their grocery stores or school or to their job, uh, they isolate within their home. And the more they isolate in their home, the more difficult it is for them to go out. Uh, there's also uh, different types of phobias, like uh, specific phobias, uh, phobias of uh, being afraid of spiders or phobias of clowns. You know, those are all types of uh, specific phobias. Uh, we also have something that's called a panic disorder, uh, which a person uh, will continuously and repetitively experience panic attacks, and they become so afraid of having a panic attack in public places that they too avoid going out because they're afraid that they may have a panic attack, you know, at the grocery store or in mm -hmm. the bank. So as a way of being able to avoid those types of things, those individuals just stay in the house and they isolate themselves. And then lastly, uh, the one that I see most common is called generalized anxiety disorder. Uh, generalized anxiety disorder is when a person is uh, anxious of pretty much about everything. Uh, mm -hmm. Their response to life is that it's just overwhelming. Uh, and that overwhelming feeling of anxiousness is, is general across the board. They call it pervasive which means that it pretty much shows up in all settings. So those are a, a few of the different types of anxiety disorders, and those are the types of things that I see on a daily and a weekly basis. So one of the questions, as you're talking, there's questions popping up in my head. Um, the What do you feel right now in this, this atmosphere that we're in? What kind of anxiety are you hearing more about or getting calls more on uh, with this epidemic that's going on? Right. So for sure, it's the generalized anxiety. So for people who already have anxiety issues, um, the conditions that we're experiencing right now with coronavirus, uh, their anxiety symptoms are just exacerbated that much more. They were already anxious people. They already had difficulty dealing with the day-to-day -day types of things uh, that they had to experience in their life. And now they're even more uh, anxious because of this added um, concern about the coronavirus. So uh, individuals who already had anxiety, it becomes worse. And now I'm starting to see individuals who did not have issues with anxiety. Mm. Now they're starting to develop, you know, just this, this consistent worry about what's going on. Where is all this leading? What's going to happen? Am I going to be able to take care of my family? So a lot of individuals who didn't have 
uh, issues with anxiety in the past are now starting to experience symptoms of anxiety. Now, when you think about this, because I know I found out and I actually uh, I don't think I even reached out to you, but I had talked to a, a mutual friend. I found out I had a, adult ADHD. I call it my superpower. Uh, okay. Because I start figuring out how to manage it and what was my trigger. So do you find that there are certain like things that have happened in our lives are are there triggers? What is causing so many people to now deal with anxiety. I was looking at a study and it was saying out of the uh, US is number three in the world with the highest level of anxiety, only coming uh, third, uh, third to uh, China and second to India. I see. What's the triggers? What's causing all this? So specifically in the American society, uh, the culture is to be high achieving, to be high performers, to be highly successful. So that's American culture. So because of that, we have this go, go, go mentality, this work, work, work mentality, this achieve, this go harder, go to the next level. Um, and that in itself can create anxiety. So when we get into this mode of having to achieve and having to have a certain size home and having a certain amount of money in the bank account and having to drive a certain type of car and having mm -hmm. to be uh, able to achieve a certain amount of success or uh, recognition. Those are all the things that kind of lend to a person experiencing higher levels of stress and higher levels of anxiety. Now, when it comes down to um, recognizing you're basically going into an anxiety attack, what are some of the things that we should be mindful for? Because I think right now, I know I remember as a personal with this, with this that's going on right now, um, I had already went to the grocery store and it was, it was weird. People were looking at me pretty strange and this was almost a week and a half or two weeks before it was really announced that this is going to be bad. And I was stocking up on water. Well, being from Louisiana, we have hurricanes all the time. So we're, always set to be thinking ahead in case of some type of natural disaster. And I was fine. I noticed how people were looking at me. And then when it all hit my wife, cause we had already gotten a lot of the stuff that we needed, but she went in to get some last minute stuff and she saw the shelves bare and right. she literally started to freak out and she was texting me and I'm like, you just calm down and leave. <laughs> you know, if you can't find what you need, leave, you know? So what do you, how do you know when you're about to walk into or you're dealing with a panic attack or an anxiety attack? Right. Well, first of all, let me just say that panic attacks are real. Uh, a lot of people say, well, it's just, you know, something that happens in your imagination. But for people who have experienced panic attacks, panic attacks are very real and they're very serious. Most people explain to me that when a panic attack first comes on, they first feel it like in their chest. Uh, some people say they thought they were having a heart attack because there's tightness in their chest, their heart is pounding. Uh, some people experience a choking sensation as if they can't get enough air in their body. Uh, sometimes they'll break into a cold sweat um, and it could really feel like you're about to die. So there are a number of people who experienced it for the first time 
and they rushed themselves to the emergency room because they thought, I'm about to have a heart attack or I'm about to wow. have a stroke. So a lot of times um, people really don't understand what's going on with them until they see a doctor and the doctor tells them, well, we've run tests on your heart, we've run tests on your, on your brain, uh, everything's normal, you're just having a stress attack or a, pan a panic attack. So these are common symptoms and the common experiences uh, of people that uh, have talked to me about what they experienced when they had a panic attack. And it can be very scary for people. Now, we know just in mankind, as in, in history, that we've always dealt with bad situations. And now, is this a, I guess the question is, is this something that's kind of wired in us and we're not being, we're not able to recognize it to respond? Because is, is this a fight or flight? Uh, is this a chemical imbalance that was already there? Or is it something that has happened to us in our life that has caused us to, you know, get to the, this level of anxiety? So first of all, let me just say that anxiety <clears throat> within itself is not a bad thing. Mm. We all experience anxiety to you know, some degree or another. Uh, anxiety is a function uh, that has kept us throughout history. It's kept us safe and it's kept us, from, uh, kept us uh, alive. Um, so anxiety is the thing within ourselves that lets us know that we need to move into action. And in most cases, it's there to protect us. But the problem is when anxiety uh, begins to get to the places or the severity where it starts to impair a person. So that's the difference between um, minor anxiety that says, wow, I have this test next week. Uh, I'm, I'm a bit nervous about it. Maybe I should prepare myself for it. So that's on the mild, milder side of anxiety. But it could also go to the opposite end of the continuum where you have anxiety that is so intense that it paralyzes you, where a number of people just feel frozen um, or paralyzed and it causes impairment in their functioning where they can't get up and go to work or it causes impairment to the level that they can't take care of their family the way they're supposed to. So there's a continuum to anxiety and the trick is to make sure that we are managing the anxiety and the anxiety is not controlling us. Now, I like what you just said at the end, and maybe that's a key point. Maybe you can elaborate a little bit more when you say manage, because that's a that's a moving forward type thinking. And how do you get to a place of management when you can't even figure out how to land those thoughts or uh, face those fears that you're, you're going through? Right. So for some people, uh, they may need the assistance of medications. And I am uh, a person, a clinician, uh, who is neither for medication or against it. Mm. I always say that uh, as it relates to medication, we really have to deal uh, on a person-to-person, case-by-case scenario. For some people, medications are probably a good idea, and for other people, uh, they're not. So you have to consult with your doctor to determine if medication uh, is the route for you. But there are some other practical things that people can do to manage anxiety, which is learn how to manage your thoughts. Uh, I, um, there are a number of techniques that uh, individuals use that help you to stop thinking about one thing and replace it with something else. So it's called stop, thought stopping and thought replacement. So the idea here mm -hmm. is that you develop the skill 
of stopping yourself from thinking about things that are increasing your anxiety. And it's a skill where you actually are able to interrupt that thought and you replace it with something that's more productive, something that's more positive, and something that supports a calm sense of self. So that's one of the things that you can do. Other things are self-care, uh, whether it be exercising, taking walks, um, listening to calming music. Mm -hmm. So these are all things that we can do for ourselves that helps us to bring our anxiety levels down to the place where it's manageable and it's not overtaking or overwhelming us. You know, it was. I was going to try to look for it on my phone. I fear it's going to be deep inside of my phone. Um, okay. The uh, I I did what I. One of the things that I'd done recently, and I've done it twice. I did a twenty-one day, uh, twenty-two day brain detox, and it wasn't based off of just food. I, it was based off of thinking. I wrote down. There was a, a doctor that I followed. Doc, I don't know if you heard of her. Her name is Doctor Carolyn Leaf. She's a neuro. Um, a uh, neurologist and she's okay. also uh, dove deep into the mind of the roots of thoughts and where they come from but the great things that she mixed the Bible with understanding the power of thought and what I did is they she called it an active uh, active reach and anytime a particular thought was coming into my head like how am I going to get this accomplished what am I going to do to overcome this challenge. And I, I wrote down multiple active reaches based off of the seven thoughts that I was thinking all the time. I realized That's after it. sitting down reflecting, it was always the same thoughts over and over again. I had never fully just said, this is this thought, this is what I'm gonna connect to that thought. So I literally, every time that thought popped into my head, I would read this active reach until it became kind of my my normal. Like one of them was when I when I was doubting what I needed to do because I was a little afraid of taking this risk, I would say, Lord, I trust in you. I'm going to use all the tools you've given me and I'm going to walk anyway. Guide me right. as I go, as I step forward. And these are, I had multiple ones that I would use for certain uh, issues. And I also within that 22 days, I realized that there were thoughts and things that were deep inside that I thought I was over from childhood. I was still oh, dealing wow. with. And in that time, I wrote down every day. I went through these procedures. And the reason I'm saying this, everyone, is because if you can get with someone that's that it says seek wise counsel, Jesse's wise counsel. Well, and I've sought him out doing marriage counseling. I've sought him out for business. So one of the other things I didn't say what he told me, uh, I came to see him for a second time and I was going through some more business uh, anxieties and and he said, uh, first of all, you're back here again. <laughs> <laughs> and some of the things you're talking about is the same things. But he said, you know, Michael, you're trying, you're an eagle on the ground pecking like a chicken. Right. And it, it, it's, it kind of pushed me back in a sense like, wow, first of all, that's a, that's a bold statement. And I really sat back and realized I was playing at a, a lower level. And that literally changed my, my, my life towards my family, towards my business and everything like that. And I just want to give you, you know, give the listeners uh, some understanding that this is a process. This isn't something that you just is going, you're going to just get over this. You're going to have to move forward. And I wrote down here moving. You have to move forward in this. This is something like anxiety stops you, but there's a way you have to push forward. Am I correct with that? That's correct. So, right. 
Now, what about meditation and what about because uh, I get away sometime, I meditate, um, I step away. I, the, it's so noisy right now. And I think right now it's even more. What would be the recommendations right now in the midst of a pandemic to help people just get in a place of some peace and some ease? Right. So I'm glad you spoke of meditation, because one of the things I recommend is that we actually uh, put some limits on how much of this negative information we're taking in. So I have personally decided that I'm only going to look at the news one time a day. Um, and there are other people who are glued to the news and you're getting this steady dosage of negative information or this gloomy information. And that directly impacts how you think and how you feel. So one of the things that we can do, as you has, have mentioned, is uh, to practice meditation. I think it's a, a very effective uh, mode of helping to manage our mind and to seek clarity. So give yourself some, some downtime, some quiet time. Uh, meditation doesn't mean that you have to sit in a room for five hours, but it does mean that you um, are carving out some time to sit and to be still and to be quiet and to manage your thoughts and to identify and evaluate what am I allowing to run through my head and you make conscious decisions of those things that are beneficial to you versus those things that you probably need to put aside and replace it with something um, more constructive. And I always also say that during meditation, it's a good idea for you to allow yourself to receive a download of information for those of us who are Christians and uh, pray and meditate. Prayer is not just speaking to God, but it's also allowing yes. some time to hear back from God. So that's where the, the prayer and meditation comes in. So when you pray, yes, you communicate your needs and your wants and you, you talk to God. But during that meditative time, it's also a time for you to be quiet so that you can hear from God and receive direction or instruction on what to do next. And you know, and a, and a great thing that I learned a long time ago, the brain is a receiver. And yes. I think uh, when we cloud it with all the devices, all the screens, you know, screen from screen to screen, we go from our phone to our tablet, from our tablet to our computer, from our computer to our TV. And I know for a fact, for me, it literally starts to make my brain feel heavy. And yes. that's why for me, part of my meditation is I will get uh, quiet and sometimes I take walks and I'll even go out to the desert, uh, take a walk around the neighborhood. I realize a lot of people are now walking around and I'm getting even some of that feedback from family and friends that they're, they haven't been outside in a mm -hmm. long time. They haven't right. went to a park in a long time. They haven't sat outside with their children in a long time. And I think, uh, and they say, how are you doing now? I mean, I haven't had this, this opportunity to stop. And living in Vegas, they say it's a city that never sleeps and it's now having time to sleep. So exactly. do you, uh, you know, I'm a, just real quick note, cause I do have a lot of questions that came in uh, when I said I was gonna be talking with you, these questions came in, I wanna go through some of them. But I have one question about meditation. Now I was, I was told and I found it happening to me when I tried to sit quiet for that first 10 minutes, it felt like the loudest bunch of thoughts and movement in my head. And after about 10 minutes, it started to subside. Do you think there's a good time to make sure 
you just sit still long enough to get all the as a, as some of the Buddhists and the would say the monkey mind to get it to calm down. Right. <clears throat> so it's important for for everyone to understand that just like with everything else, um, there's a certain skill level and a certain amount of practice and preparation uh, that one will have before you start to feel as though your meditation is effective or that it's becoming easy. So, you know, I would say give yourself some time. You know, when you first sit down, of course, your brain is already in go mode. So you just allow yourself to allow those thoughts to calm down. Um, you practice the skill and the discipline of allowing thoughts to come, but it doesn't mean that you have to sit with that thought. Just as it comes, you can also release it to go on. So it's about practice, practice, practice. It's about developing the skill of allowing your mind to settle and to actually be quiet. So a lot of times people try it, they try meditation, and they say, boy, it's so difficult because my brain won't start stop working. But I always encourage them, don't give up so quickly because just like everything else, there's a certain level of skill level that you have to attain. But once you get to the practice of learning how to sit down, allowing your brain to become quiet, allowing thoughts to be released as they come, then you start to feel more comfortable with meditation. All right. Thank you for that. Now we're going to dive into some of the questions that I, I received and I want to, this is all going to be you. I'm going to try my best not to say much of anything, <laughs> but just okay. listen to the wisdom that's coming from you. So one of the questions I, I had received was, do you find that certain personality types usually deal with more anxiety issues than others? Right. So what I have found is that typically individuals we consider to be type A personality uh, tend to have more issues with anxiety and stress than others. And because that's because type A personalities are known for being highly competitive. They have a strong uh, sense or, or, or a strong desire to succeed. Uh, they are in achievement and high performance mode. Uh, so these are individuals who are more prone to experience stress just because of the nature of their personality. Yeah. So uh, when you think about individuals who are type A, uh, you'll probably also see that these individuals typically um, carry a, a long, along with them some pretty high levels of stress and anxiety. Okay. Um, I, how do I deal with a loved one with high anxiety when I'm trying to be patient, but my patience is running thin. Right. So, so it's very, very difficult, or let's just say it can be very difficult, uh, coexisting, uh, with a person who has problems with anxiety, whether you are married to that person, whether it's a family member, uh, but sometimes it can be very difficult uh, living with that individual. So what I would recommend, first of all, is that you don't take it personal. Um, most of the time, what you are receiving, the reactions or the responses you're receiving from these individuals who are suffering with anxiety, is really not about you. It's more about what's going on inside of them, and they're just projecting it out. So some of the reactions you receive from these individuals, some of the behavior you may experience around them, I would just encourage you to remind yourself not to take it personally. It's not about me. This is really that person exhibiting what's going on on the inside of them. Uh, secondly, I would also say 
uh, be very careful um, and very diligent and deliberate in self-care practices. Um, I'm always promoting self-care because uh, we need to have time to replenish and to restore ourselves. Most of us are very busy people. Most of us have families to take care of. Most of us run businesses and we manage uh, responsibilities uh, of other people. Uh, so it's almost like the energy is always going out from the inside out. And if you don't take time and you don't, if you don't carve out some type of time in your schedule to replenish yourself, at some point you will feel exhausted, you'll feel fatigued and you'll feel overwhelmed. So these individuals who are dealing with other people who have anxiety, it is so, so, so important for you to make sure that you are restoring yourself and you're taking care of yourself. That's good. That restoring yourself is huge. Um, I notice people with direction don't have anxiety. Is having goals and purpose, does that help with dealing with anxiety? Say that again. I notice people with direction that have a purpose, they know where they're going, don't deal with as much anxiety as those that don't really know where they're going. Is, the, is, is that a truth? Well, what I would say is that anxiety uh, is a fear-based emotion. And typically when a person is operating in fear, uh, that will affect their sense of direction, that'll affect their level of confidence. So I would say that for individuals who feel like they don't have direction or they feel like they're lacking uh, confidence, that you take a second look at what may be going on beneath the surface, and that is you have not managed this emotion of fear. So once you're able to manage that fear and learn that you can still move forward <clears throat> along with fear, then you'll have some sense of direction, you'll have some sense of confidence that I can do this even if I'm afraid, even if I experience fear, I can still accomplish and succeed with fear and with direction. Okay, okay. Um, I believe gotta get me through this. I don't do therapy. What do you say right. to that? I, that's not even a question, that was just a, a response that was sent to me, I'm like, Okay, I'm not going to respond to you, but I'm going to get. The, I'm going to see what Jesse has to say on this. Right. So, so as Christians, um, we have seen that a number of Christians um, are against therapy. Uh, for some reason, they feel as though the only thing I have to do is pray. The only thing I have to do is trust God, and that's it. Uh, and I don't have a problem with that because I pray and I trust God as well, but. There is also a personal responsibility that we have to be uh, responsible for. It's almost like your hygiene. I mean, you don't go into the bathroom and say, um, I, I trust God that my teeth are going to be brushed or um, I trust God that um, my underarms are not going to stink. We take a bath and we put deodorant on uh, and we brush our teeth. So there are some very practical things that uh, we should do uh, in addition to having faith. Uh, the other thing is uh, the stigma I wanted to talk about, the mm. stigma related to mental health. Um, a lot of individuals are perfectly fine with going to the dentist if they're having problems with their teeth, or they're okay with going to see a podiatrist if uh, their feet are hurting. Uh, but when it comes to mental health, it's like, oh, I don't want to do that. So 
one of the things that I always tell people is that your mental health is just as important or even more important uh, than your physical health. Mm -hmm. So I want to help people to overcome this stigma related to mental health because just like we may need to go see a medical doctor for something happening in our body, there is no shame in going to see a counselor or a therapist if something's going on with us emotionally or mentally. Okay, and the last question, and I'm, I'm, I do, I'm glad that you talked about that topic uh, or just addressed the, the stigma that goes behind it. And until celebrities started to come out and basketball players started to come out and talk about mental health, that people really start to say, oh, this is something we should look at. And I'm fascinated with the brain. I have more books about the brain than I could, I honestly have more books about the brain than I have on, than leadership. Um, oh, because wow. I felt like uh, I would sit down even with clients and I was like, you're not actually dealing with business issues right now. You're dealing with some personal things that you need to honestly seek help for because you can't even get past what's in front of you because you think it's a business thing. It's not a business thing. And, and because of that, I just, I've always been fascinated with the brain, even to the point, I, I will ask this question too. This, this is for me, uh, cause I do it. Do you feel like we should be taking more supplements for brain health? You know what? Um, I would say yes. Uh, I think, well, uh, well, let me just package it because <laughs> there's information, uh, there's information out there that says that some companies are not actually putting the type of ingredients or the substances on the, uh, on the inside of the bottle as they are have for the advertise on the outside. But this is what I think about natural herbs and roots and supplements. I believe that God has created all the types of things that we need for our physical health through the earth. So for many conditions, there may be some natural supplements, uh, natural herbs, things like that, that will help with some of our conditions. So uh, evidence has shown that there are uh, a number of um, um, supplements that may be helpful to our brain. Um, I use ginkgo. Um, it's helpful to me because it helps me to, to feel sharp and mm. it helps my, my memory. It helps with mental clarity. So that's helpful to me. So yes, I do think that there are some supplements out there that are not in prescription form that may be helpful to our brains. And I will just recommend you go out and you research if, if some, cause sometimes we're not just trying to push through all the noise that we're going through. We need to learn focus. And right now it's very hard to get focused when you in a, a noisy life and being able to stop, figure out, uh, not only take your, take those thoughts into captive and really say, what is this thought? What is it pushing? What's the fear behind it? And for me, for me, I've always realized there was a fear behind those thoughts that I found that was seven thoughts that was always kind of lingering in my head. There was a fear of not knowing on the other side. So whatever you can do, seek the therapy, take the supplements, and make sure you, you step away. I think it's important to step away. So with everything that's going on, Jesse, I just want you to you know kind of close us out with some thoughts and insight into dealing with anxiety right now where we are because there you know we're not hearing when is this over we're hearing you know it could be two weeks it could be two months it can be you know in september when you hear this fluctuation of time that just throws people into this level of uncertainty what would you close us out what do you think to all of that 
So one of the things that I would recommend uh, related to anxiety in general, as well as the anxiety related to what's happening with the coronavirus, is resist the temptation to think too far into the future. And I know for a lot of people uh, that probably sounds like a difficult thing to do, but just remember that anxiety is triggered when we put too much focus and too much energy on what may happen. And none of us are able to tell or to be able to forecast what will happen in the future. So for many of us who are Christians and faith-based, um, now is the time for us to really root ourselves uh, in faith. Uh, it's very easy for us to say, I trust God, I have faith. But then you have situations like this, or you have situations where we run into financial issues or the loss of a loved one. These are all opportunities for us to really dig down uh, in our faith reservoir and stand in faith and to say, I trust you, God, through this. So I'm not going to lean to my understanding, even though I don't know what's going to happen in the future. I'm okay with my trust and my faith in God that he's going to keep me and sustain me. So those are the things that I would recommend for individuals during times like this. Well, Jesse, I want to thank you for coming on, man. It, I appreciate it. I know that this is one of those times that people have to really take their mental state and what they're going to do right now very seriously. And I thank you for the insight. Thank you for taking the time out of your schedule to sit with me. All right. Thanks for having me, Mike. You know, as we close out this show, it's very important that you look inside, step away, and get some quiet time so you can figure out what you need to do now. Because remember something, whatever you, to do, whatever you do today is for your tomorrow. The seeds you plant today is for your tomorrow. So if you continue to plant fear today, tomorrow will be set with the same amount of fear. That's what you'll be producing. Remember, your subconscious mind does not judge right or wrong. Whatever you continue to pour into it, it will only output what you put in. So I want you to get away, step away, spend some time with your family. Any information that you want to know about what's going on, like Jesse said uh, in this interview, go and watch one thing. Get it out of for the day. Know what needs to happen. Know if there's anything major going on and then move on with your day because it's important that you stay grounded. We're kingdom citizens, kingdom entrepreneurs, kingdom people moving forward in a time that's a little little weird right now. So thank you for tuning in. I want you to subscribe to the channel. You can go to canvaslive.com. You'll see it on the screen. There you can uh, check us out on iTunes. You can check us out on Google, Google Apps, wherever you can find I, uh, podcasts. And also we have our new YouTube channel that'll be coming out also. We love you. Go out there and live your life. Life's a canvas. So paint away. Thank you for listening to another episode of Canvas with Michael Durant. We are always looking to inspire you with people, stories, insights, and things that matter. All politics aside, of course. So visit us online at canvaslive.com. That's K-A-N-V-S live.com. Or follow us on Instagram at canvaslive. Until next time, life is a canvas. So paint away.